This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I took for granted the fact that I got to grow up in the outdoors, right? Um, I just didn't appreciate it until you get to see it through someone else's eyes, like you were saying, the 70-year-old woman was doing these things for the first time and uh, it's like a childlike wonder and it's contagious i find that i just stand back and smile when i can help someone catch their first fish on the fly hey guys i'm sure most of you would agree whether it's fishing hunting or you're acting as some sort of mentor or teacher, when you see that thing click, that magic happen for someone else, it's almost always more fulfilling than doing the thing yourself. This episode, we talked to Nancy, a longtime fly fishing guide who has some great stories and experiences to share. We talk about relationships and becoming a fly fishing guide and how she's seen fishing change for women over the years and what it was like for her getting into it and how it is now how it shaped her life and continues to be a part of her life and it just wildly inspires me whether you're into fly fishing or not I think everyone can take something from this episode You're listening to Woods and Waters Project. This is episode number 22, Through Someone Else's Eyes. Well, I want to get to know you better, but also I, I want to, the stuff I do know I want to share because I think you're a really, I think you're a really cool woman and I think it'd be awesome to hear more from you. And um, where are you, so, so you go back and forth between like Minnesota, Alaska, Iowa, and Montana right? Yes. I lived in Montana for four years. Um, I grew up in Minnesota hunting and fishing. Um, I, back in a day when I thought that it was normal for young girls to do those things because my father thankfully hadn't told me anything differently. He just let me tag along. Um, but, um, yeah, I ended up uh, realizing, I guess, by junior high school that the girls didn't typically do that back in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> but, uh, but I was kind of unusual. But I fell in love with it because it was quality time, um, really, with my family, my whole family. And um, so, yeah, grew up in Minnesota, went to college in Arizona for a few years, and that was hard because there just wasn't as much water. And 
kind of lost track of my roots for a while. Came back to Minnesota and uh, started pursuing the, you know, duck hunting and deer hunting and fishing again. And uh, gosh, when my kids were born, the first one, I had to learn how to adapt that so they could tag along. Granted, my number of days outdoors went down, but um, I would throw them in a backpack carrier or a front pack and bring them along. As long as I wasn't shooting a gun, <laughs> they could be right there with me. So. Yeah, I love that. I I don't have kids yet, but I've always said that that's exactly what I would do because I want them to be involved from the beginning and who's to say they can't be, you know? So I know some people have a hard time with that for whatever reason, I don't know, but I think that's amazing. Yeah. Well, you do have to adjust. You want to make yeah. sure that it's fun for them, that no matter what, they're having a good time. So, yeah. And then the first time I took them fishing or hunting, I just really made sure that they could be successful. So I actually pre-fished <laughs> and, and then took them fishing and said, here, do this yes. and you'll catch a fish. And so they were hooked and it was great. And uh, now, at least my son, I've created a monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all, yeah, I've heard all a he bit wants about to him. do. Yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. all he wants to do. Yeah, that's really cool. That's so super cool. Yeah. Uh, I just it it's just really inspiring to me because I, I similar similar to you in the beginning, not probably as hardcore, but. When I was growing up, it I started going with my dad hunting and fishing when I was five years old, and that was pretty normal. And living in Iowa, I guess, I feel like we're in the mecca of, like, hunting especially. Yes. But I was so shocked as I got a little older when I started going through hunter safety. And I, I remember missing a volleyball practice because, and I was really hardcore in volleyball at the time, and I missed my only practice to go to hunter safety, and all of the girls made fun of me so bad. And I just remember thinking, why am I weird? Like, why am I right. the one that doesn't fit in? I'm confused why no one wants to do this. <laughs> exactly. If they only knew, right? Yeah. They yeah. would want to. Exactly. That's because you're quite a bit younger than I am. I actually turned 60 this year. So I've, I've been thrilled to watch the progression of women in the outdoors. Um, it just brings tears to my eyes when I think about now all the young women that are guiding for fly fishing and teaching fly fishing and out there doing it and archery and hunting and um it just because i you know was kind of a lone wolf back in my day and i actually started teaching fly fishing just to create my own female fishing companions yeah i can relate and, uh, to that so much and i think that's so when you first told me that when we first spoke i just wanted to know so much more about you and your journey like that was what it was for me for sure because I I with uh you know bow hunting and stuff I don't have female friends that do that with me like it's just not I'm starting to now but I, that just wasn't a thing yeah well thank goodness for the advent of social media because it's easier to find our tribe now <laughs> yes I, I like to call it finding my tribe and uh you know, it's like-minded people. And there really is truly a different mindset and attitude uh, amongst people that love the outdoors. Um, I've found there tend to be more patient and more introspective. You know, they've kind of done their emotional work, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, because to sit in a deer stand for 12 hours is, you know, you need to 
you need to be calm and centered and all those good things. Yeah. I so agree. Now, so, um, I know you're quite a bit younger. You're, <laughs> this is, this is okay. okay. Yes. Okay. So a good 30 year difference and look how far women have come in just 30 years as yeah. far as, I mean, when I first was hunting, I was wearing men's small or men's extra small <laughs> camel waders and camel jackets and still, you know, swimming in it. I remember, you know, trudging out to the duck blind and hardly being able to walk because the boots and the boot foot were way too big. And, um, you know, trying so hard to keep up to not be a liability so that I would get to go again. Yes. And, and you know, not, not screw up because I loved it so much. It was like, I want to keep going. So I just have to push myself to be warm right staying warm was always an issue and then uh, yeah the fly fishing gosh i think i got my first pair of waders that fit um when i was like 25 26 <laughs> and i had to have them custom made and i was truly mortified because I ordered them from this company Lake Stream. They were making, you know, neoprene was the only option back then. And they were making uh, custom waders. So I sent in all my measurements and they made me this pair and they sent them to me. You know, and everyone else's were kind of olive drab green or gray. Oh, no. Mine were royal blue. <laughs> 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 and I was like, no, I want to blend in. I don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. So, um, yeah, even back then, getting getting gear was um, a challenge. Let's just say it that way. My, I, my first fly fishing outing up on the north shore of Minnesota on Lake Superior, one of the rivers, I had borrowed some men's a friend's red ball waders and i didn't even have a waiting belt um, they were way too big and i hooked into my very first salmon on a fly rod and ended up needing to run downstream with it <laughs> and i slipped and i fell and i was about an inch from completely filling up these red ball rubber waders uh, with 42 degree water. And luckily um, I was able to get up and land the fish and a guy across the pond came over and helped. And he said, uh, I said, thank you for saving us. And he said, us, and I said, yeah, I'm three months pregnant. He said, you, you get out of this river right now. You could have drowned. So, um, so I'm really, really grateful for all the new gear that's available. And um, I'm still a believer in that you get what you pay for. So, yeah, I guess I, I'd rather spend a little more and get good gear, good waders, camel all of that just because I went, I got by without it for so long sure. or had to get by without it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's when, when did you, how, what age were you when you decided I'm, I'm going to become a fly fishing guide? Um, well, I started teaching. Uh, so that would have been 1994. Um, no, 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 80. Gosh, I'm confused. So my son was just born. Um, really, I didn't start out intending to guide or teach. Mm -hmm. um, I just started out because I wanted to have some female fishing companions. So, and when I 
started trying to teach them what I knew. I just did what I had been taught. And then I discovered that there were actually instructor schools. And I was like, oh, I could actually learn, go somewhere and learn how to teach. So um, I did that. And I was very fortunate at a time that I, I studied under some of the biggest names. Um, two of them are gone now, Mel Krieger and Lefty Cray. Um, but I got to study under them. And then also Joan Wolf, who is um, still with us. She's still living. I believe she's 93. And she really truly is the grandmother of women in fly fishing. Um, so, so yeah, I, I became a student of how to share the sport and really how to share the love of the sport. Um, you know, there's the mechanical parts of it and you have to know entomology and casting and how to read a river or a lake, you know, where are the fish holding, you have to know how to tie all the knots. Um, so it can be complex, but uh, the, my favorite thing about fly fishing in particular is that you can be a forever student. Yeah. I mean, there's just always more to learn. Um, and new techniques, you know, new new rods. Now everybody's going to this spay casting, which is a 14 foot super long rod. And so there's just lots of variations. And so you can just keep learning and learning. And um, people say, oh, you must know so much. And I said, you know, the more I find out I know, the more I realize I don't know. So yeah, uh, I appreciate that so much. I mean, I know way, 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 way less than you. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, as far, especially regarding fly fishing. But I definitely felt that I did a women's retreat a year ago, a fly fishing retreat. It's something that I want to hone in on it a lot more because as much as I love hunting and fishing with people I love, I wanted to do something that no one else does so I could have my own thing to focus on. And mm -hmm. I'm, I just think fly fishing seems so beautiful. And mm. so I did the retreat and it was, it was amazing. And I learned, it was just unbelievable. The whole experience, the women, the location, the fishing, the, the slowing down, the paying attention to the water, the bugs, the environment, it, all of it was fantastic and I just want to keep doing it but now that I'm back in Iowa by myself I'm like oh I, I really need to get out there yeah. and keep teaching myself and there's so much to understand it's crazy yeah you really almost do need someone to go with I mean yes. I do tell people that depending on the river and the conditions, it's just not a smart idea to head out by yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if the water's running high. And mm -hmm. so just even having a companion to someone that would know if you went for a swim accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. <laughs> that's important. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, it is a little bit like when I when I teach, I tell people that, you know, they can truly become excellent at casting if they just spend 10 minutes a day in their backyard. Yeah. Um, because it's muscle memory, I guess, is what you're trying to create. And uh, you don't you don't need elaborate conditions or rivers to, to practice so yeah and it does pay off when you get to the river if you've practiced and you have some pretty good line control that's mm -hmm. what we like to call it because um without it you can end up in a day of frustration mm -hmm. with you know knots in your line and your fly is in the tree behind you and <laughs> <laughs> you're just retrieving your fly <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah, I but can it's, see that. 
So you went to a women's weekend retreat. Was it through uh, like the bow program or becoming an outdoorsman? No, it, it uh, was through, I have a, f- a friend that I'm, it's just all so interwoven. Uh, a, a friend I met, I went, we both went to a women's entrepreneur retreat and her mm-hmm. and I, her and her husband own a, own a guiding service for deer in Ohio. And mm. when they are not filled up for deer season, she does women women's retreats. And I wanted an excuse to just, and because I do events as well, I wanted an excuse to learn from her, spend time with her, and just get to know her better because we just had a great relationship from the beginning at the entrepreneur retreat. So when she was doing a fly fishing one, I was like, yes, absolutely, I want to be there. So I drove to Ohio for a few days, and there were the the women that were there. There were, I think, seven of us all together, but the fly fishing guide, she was one of my first uh, podcast interviews that I did. Laurel is her name, and she basically stopped her kind of more business path to become a fly fishing guide and travel all over and just do some really cool stuff. And she was our teacher and Mm. it was a great experience. And all of the women that were there, one of the women was in her seventies and she had Mm. never been, uh, she really had never fished ever, like not even fly fishing, just never fished ever and had never been canoeing. And we went canoeing down the mad river as like a break in our day. And there was another woman who does all sorts of fishing all over the world and she had never done fly fishing. And those two examples of women, both of them had these moments where of just peace and tranquility and kind of got emotional because of how beautiful of an experience it was. And I just vividly remember both of that, both of them and just how different they were and how much, all of the experience meant to them. It was just one of the best things I ever signed myself up for. It was, it was just mm. a wonderful thing. Isn't it awesome to <laughs> realize, because I know I took for granted the fact that I got to grow up in the outdoors, right? Um, I just didn't appreciate it until you get to see it through someone else's eyes, like you were saying, the 70-year-old woman Mm -hmm. was doing these things for the first time and uh, it's like a childlike wonder and it's contagious i find that i just stand back and smile when i can help someone catch their first fish on the fly it's like wow okay Yes. yes um just because it the joy is you know, I've literally had people jumping up and down in the river with excitement. <laughs> it's like, wait, let's land your fish first. Let's. <laughs> yeah. She, so. when she pulled up from our canoe trip at the end of it, that was kind of near the end of our trip, the, the woman who was in her 70s, she gets, she's just a tiny little thing, the most energetic, sweetest, sweetest woman. And she is just quiet when she pulls up to the shore and she just looks at us and starts crying and she Aww. she was like I love both of these things and I cannot believe I waited till I was in my 70s to experience this part of life. I cannot believe I took so long. This has been, you know, just it was so cool. Like I, I just it's so hard to put words into it, but that like childlike wonder, like you said, is a great way to say it. It it was just a beautiful thing. It was very cool. Yeah. I had, um, I don't know. I similar to your experience with the 70 year old woman. One of my very first classes I taught at an Orvis fly shop. Um, they would it was interesting he would offer these women's classes and have me come in and teach and the women's classes would fill up with 10 women within two days and it was like wow he said you know can you do one of these every week and i'm like well i kind of want to (laughs) fish um but i had um 
Millie, who was 73 years old, and she had been traveling with her husband into fly fishing destinations for 49 years. Every year on their anniversary, they would go somewhere so Frank could fly fish. And she would sit on the riverbank and read a book. So she signed up for the class because it was their 50th anniversary. And this was going to be her present to Frank was to learn how to fly fish with him. So we orchestrated (laughs) quite the whole secret mission um, behind this trip. They were going to New Mexico. I found out the lodge they were staying at. And she was in the class and she said, you have two weeks to get me completely independent. (laughs) I will pay you after this class to continue with private lessons, right? And um, she said, I want to surprise Frank. And I want to have my own gear. I want to be totally independent. And I was like, oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) And now Millie was about five feet tall and all of 80 pounds. Right? And all I could think is this woman is going to step into the river and get washed downstream. (laughs) Um, So we worked together. We got her gear. I shipped the gear in advance to the lodge with a letter explaining this whole secret surprise. And um, in her gear, I had literally created a fly box for her based on suggestions of some friends of mine that were guides out there. And I labeled the flies for her. Number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. Like, try this first, this, 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 you know. (laughs) And if this doesn't work. So she didn't have to worry about the insect names or the Latin names or any of it. She just needed to go to number one, tie on the fly. So I shipped the gear out to the lodge. They secretly got it um, to the spot where they knew they would be fishing, Frank and Millie. And they pulled up and Frank gets out and he gets his gear on and Millie's still sitting in the car and waiting for him to leave. And he's like, well, Millie, come on, are you coming down to the river? And she said, I will in a minute. And he's like, okay, well. So she waited for him to get out of sight she found the bag hiding behind a tree with all of her waders and rods and reel. She got all geared up and she snuck down to the river just upstream from him so he couldn't see her and waited. She, she hooked a fish on her third cast. And while she's got the fish on, she wades out a little further and a little downstream so that Frank could see her. And she says, oh, Frank, look, I caught a fish. Well, we almost killed the poor man. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, the shock, he, he instantly, his hero protective mode was like, yeah. oh, Millie, oh, no, what are you doing? And she said... <laughs> I'm catching a fish, Frank. And he came running upstream to help her land the fish. And she says, don't you dare touch my fish. And he started laughing and crying and they were hugging and it was quite the moment. And he said, how did you do all of this? And she said, oh, it's been weeks in the making. Oh my God, that's so amazing. (laughs) I know, it was so cute. So the following spring it's the trout unlimited banquet and i'm standing and talking with some people and millie had called me and said are you going to be at the banquet and i said i am she said because frank is dying to meet you and i said oh okay great and um all of a sudden across the room i hear millie's screechy little voice go there's nancy (laughs) (laughs) And I turn around, and there is this giant of a man, like 6'4", 
making a beeline straight for me. And he doesn't say a word. And he picks me up and spins me around and sets me back down on the ground and says, oh, my God, I can't thank you enough. He said, you did more for our marriage than 10 years of marriage counseling did. Thank you for teaching Millie how to be completely self-sufficient and fish with me. And I, I still get teary-eyed about it. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Sure. Because um, that moment for me was truly a defining moment. It was like, wow, I never thought about it from that standpoint. Like, God, you could you know, really help someone's marriage even after 50 years of marriage. Well, yeah, so, you just took his, like, something he loves and then his person and put them together, you know? Like, that's yeah. such a cool thing. Yeah, you know, well, she had to be willing, and, of yeah. course, she put in the time. And I said, Frank, it's all Millie. I just gave her the tools. He said, I had been trying for 20 years. <laughs> And I said, yep, nope, always better to just let somebody else uh, try to do that. It creates more marital harmony if you can let someone else do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's yeah. such a cool story. I love that so much. Yeah, it was fun. It, it made it all worthwhile. Yeah, I've uh, been spinning around the idea of doing a podcast with, and I don't know who, how I would pick my guests for this, or if I would just like interview a bunch of people really, really quick on it, but I've wanted to do a podcast on relationships in the outdoors because I have just found through my own experiences and what people talk about is when your significant other is or isn't an outdoorsman as well, or is involved or isn't involved in the same things you yes. love. There's, there can be issues and greatness about both, you know? And it's just interesting. You know, for me, I don't think that, uh, I, I personally don't think that I could be with someone who is not into hunting and fishing. It ha doesn't have to be the same things as me, but it, it would be really, really difficult for me. Right, um, yeah. And not that everyone has to be like that because that is not the case whatsoever, but it's just interesting because it's just such an it's just such an innate part of our lives when you are an outdoorsman it's it's such a cool thing when the person you love can be involved with that yeah well that was the thing i mean when i think of millie and frank she really just tagged along and went on a trip that wouldn't have been the vacation of her choice mm -hmm. for years um and so i know for me anyway if I'm going on vacation, it's not to go sit on a beach. Same, yeah. I'm going somewhere to fish. And so if the other person doesn't enjoy it as much as I do, then there really isn't going to be a lot of togetherness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said to be supporting your your partner and what they're doing even if it's not your thing but to do that for so long and just be by his side but not involved that that's it's just so incredible <laughs> that, that much yes. time goes by and then she is just all in ready to go i just think that's so that's so cool so yeah cool. well and i do have some people i can recommend for your podcast interview next time yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Couple, I'm always open couples to that. that are on both, you know, both situations of either taking separate vacations or um, one couple they they hunt and fish together all the time. Yeah, which, like you said, um, can be an issue too, mm -hmm. because it's one of the like I've had situations where. A guy wanted to go on a guy's trip, and I'm like, hmm, what about me? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> You're going to leave me home? Yeah. And it was like, and then I would be like, no, wait a minute. I'll just plan my own trip with my girlfriends, and we'll go fish. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I am hearing way more about that, and I follow a couple women's forums now, and it has been, oh, I love them so much because – I, 
a lot of the like the big questions that get asked on some of these groups are hey i've seen multiple conversations like this like where the woman is really into hunting or fishing and they're like what do you do when your significant other doesn't want to go with you or what do you do when they just keep going on these guy trips that you really want to go on but you don't have girlfriends to go with and i'm like oh my gosh yes i can so relate to this and it's women from all over the united states who've just love the outdoors but they're trying to figure out how it works in their you know relationship and yeah uh because there's something to be said about doing things solo but sometimes you just want your people and it's safe you know to have your people too but right (laughs) that's yeah yeah do you do you uh you've taught men and women both alike right across the board (laughs) yeah yeah Yes, I have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> I have taught married couples where I have had to separate them. <laughs> right? I've where I've, the husband was standing next to uh, the wife and I had, he was trying to tell her she was doing it all wrong. And, you know, I might have had 10 students lined up in a big grassy field or on a football field and he is bickering at her and I finally would walk down and I would say Scott you're coming with me and he's like where are we going (laughs) I said away from your wife (laughs) I will help her and uh, what I have found is um, at least with fly casting Mm -hmm. it's actually easier to teach women um, they they pick it up much more quickly because it really is finesse. It's not muscle. And guys want to have it be muscle. And they, you know, kind of power through it like, Ur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I often try to give them the analogy that fly casting is more of an imagining that the tip of your rod is throwing a dart. Um, and that can tend to get rid of the aggression too much. Yeah. (laughs) Too much power and guys. But when I teach, I also ask people what they do for a living. Um, because sometimes that gives me a clue as to how they prefer to learn. What's their natural learning style. Um, like I've taught, I taught a whole engineering group from Medtronic and oh my goodness, I had to brush up on my teaching skills for that one because I knew it was all going to be about physics. Line speed and velocity, and I had to give them the right words so they would understand. Yeah. That's a great tip, actually. I'm I'm a recruiter by, that's what I, you know, my normal, my normal job is a recruiter. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and I, I recruit engineers and scientists, so what you're talking about with engineers 100% relate because I am not of an I don't have the same mentality as an engineer but uh, I I talk to them every day and I can very much relate to that and I love that tip about kind of understanding what someone does for a job because I that is that's Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's not foolproof but I think overall it probably is a great way of understanding them yeah and it's so true well so engineers can be visual and auditory learners, right? They need to hear it and they need to, to see it. Um, a lot of them think their brain is like visualizing, mapping out processes as you talk, right? Mm-hmm. And um, what I've noticed is I've also done groups of CEOs yeah. and they're the most interesting. <laughs> I just, I. I hand them a rod all rigged and I say, you go out there and you give this a try and I'll come by in 10 minutes because they're experiential learners. And a lot of times they aren't going to have the willingness to learn and listen until they are frustrated. (laughs) I hate to say it that way, but it's like they want to just try it. They'll figure it out, right? They're used to just being in charge and figuring things out, and things have probably come pretty easily to them. And so, um, 
when I have, well, I still have a business called Leaders on the Fly, and I do executive team building and corporate retreats. And um, sometimes I use the analogy with them of I just send them out there and let them struggle. Yeah. And they're like, why would you do that? And I say, because as a leader, sometimes that's what you do to your people. And you haven't given them the information, the tools, the skills, or the proper application. Mm -hmm. And once you have all the rest of that in place, so it's been a, it's nice because um, sometimes it's able to bring about a leadership shift for them in yeah. how, how they lead. But yes. it's always best to just get, they want to get to the fun stuff. They don't want to talk about how to tie the knots and, you know, entomology, which how to match the hatch. They don't, they just want to go do it. <laughs> so I try to give them that experience of doing it. And then, then we backfill yeah. with information. So, yeah, that's, yeah. Great. I think yeah. what for, I guess anybody, if you had some advice for any, anybody trying to, I feel like I want to pose this in two different ways. Anyone out there who really wants to become a fly, a fly fishing guide or a guide of some sort, do you mm -hmm. have any words of wisdom or advice on that? Um, well, get really good <laughs> at what you're doing and then load up on lots of patience. Um, cause remember anything is a job at some point it becomes a job and you're going to encounter people from all walks of life and all skill levels and all abilities. Um, so breaking in to that industry is probably best done if you can get hired on by a shop or a lodge or a destination to start out with. Um, you know, I, I fished with a lot of guides before I um, started teaching and, be, and I don't technically guide, um, I mostly teach nowadays um, because I've found as I get older that when I'm standing in a river, um, I want to be holding a rod. <laughs> so it's, it's purely selfish, I guess. Um, you know, I will help students catch their first fish, but being on the water all day is with someone um, and watching, especially if the learning curve is new, watching them miss a lot of fish <laughs> is the hardest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, are we thinking of young women in general? Well, or I just meant people in general. Anybody. The, the question I do have about for women, though, and maybe this, I, I was going to pose this as a, a about women, and I, maybe I'll keep it that way. It could probably be good for anybody, but you and I have talked about this in, in the past, is I think for you, you have proven yourself 10 times over with your experiences and what you've done and how you've, you know, where you've taken it and where you continue mm -hmm. to take it. And do you feel like even after where you're at now, do you feel like sometimes you have to kind of prove yourself in certain situations or with certain mm. people like you get disregarded? Because I, I definitely experienced that. And I think it's more of a female thing. I mean, it really does seem to be a female based thing sometimes. Um, yeah. And I'm curious, like, how has that journey been for you and where are you at now with that? Yeah, it's interesting. So I knew back when, right, 20, 25 years ago, in order for me to have the same level of acceptance and credibility in the industry, 
I had to go get extremely overqualified. So I went, I became a fly casting instructor certified back at a time when I think there were only five or six women in the whole country doing the certification testing. Um, And so that was the one piece. It was like, okay, I got to go get the credentials so I can be taken seriously. And that helped a lot. Um, Then I, I knew I wanted to create some synergy of my love of fly fishing and my executive experience because I used to be a VP of a chain of banks and I would, so I went and did my MBA in leadership so that I could feel somewhat qualified in working with, you know, these groups of CEOs and management teams. Um, So I kind of had to fill in the various pieces for it to all come together. So, yeah, I mean, if, if whether it's archery, trap and skeet shooting, anything, the more credentials you can have, you know, it's not, it's not necessary, mm-hmm. you, you know, right? You can right. go shoot a great round of skeet, even if you're not. But when you start guiding and teaching um, people, if you're female, people kind of want that reassurance, I think. Um, and the industry has changed so much. I don't feel like the younger women have as much of a barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the women outdoors people are supporting the women who are guiding yeah, or teaching. Um, yeah, so... It's different, you know. I would teach mostly men's classes at first until a lot of the Orvis fly shops and other independent fly shops realized that they could create a whole class of of women. Um, And so early on, I would literally fly around the country and do weekend women's classes for different fly shops. Um, like Austin, Texas and Rockport and Arizona. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it was so strange. Yeah. They would fly me in and pay all my expenses and pay me to do a class for 10 or 12 women. A lot of times I'd try to do two classes in one day if they could do it. So anyway, yeah, um, lots of fun. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> and then you've taken it, I mean, beyond the mentoring and, and the leaders on the fly, you, you've become a speaker and presenter and have have been on TV and radio, I think, many times. <laughs> mm. And how, how has that <clears throat> developed and how has that experience been? Um, gosh, when it started, it was all by accident, I think. Um, a local television show wanted to do a little feature story about the fact that I grew up in the outdoors and fished. and So we did a, a segment um, on a river. Well, then North American hunting and fishing group, which was really big back when, caught wind of it. And I got a call and they said, hey, we saw your segment. We'd love to have you host or co-host our dry fly video back in the days of actually making VHS videos. <laughs> and I said, okay. And I did that. Um, and then I guess it was on April 1st of 1996, I got a call from a man claiming to be the vice president of ESPN. (laughs) Did you catch the date? April 1st, right? April Fool's Day. And I thought, well, this is a bad joke by my 
college girlfriends, right? <laughs> I mean, my friends, we used to try to one-up each other with practical jokes on April Fool's Day. And um, when I answered the phone, he said, this is Gary Morgenstern. I'm the vice president of ESPN. Is this Nancy? And I said, uh, yeah, it is. He said, uh, or I can't remember how it went, but I ended up with a very smart Alec remark. I <laughs> wished I couldn't have made because I guess he said, is this Nancy? And I said, yes. And he said, hi, my name's Gary Morgenstern. And uh, I'm the vice president of ESPN and I'm calling to see if you'd have an interest in hosting a show. And I said, yeah, right. Who put you up to this? <laughs> Actually, I said something much worse. And I said, yeah, if you're the vice president of ESPN, I'm the Virgin Mary. Um, so <laughs> really bad, right? And so then I said, whose husband are you? <laughs> and he said, my wife's name is Mary. <laughs> and I said, no, no, who put you up to this? And he said, excuse me? And finally, uh, he realized that it was April 1st, and he said, oh, my goodness, I can see that you're not going to believe me until I can prove who I am. And I said, well, yeah, this is a really bad April Fool's joke because this is probably something I'd really like to do. He said, great, I'm glad to hear that. Hold on, do you have a, do you have a fax machine? And I said, yes. Anyway, he faxed me a note that said, hi, Nancy, unofficial espn letterhead he said now do you believe me and i'm like oh mr morgan stern i am so sorry <laughs> um so kind of you know my path was not intentional in that way i never i guess really had a desire to to do television segments sure. um yeah. in fact it was pretty scary yeah like putting my putting myself out there and I knew that pretty much every male fly angler would be criticizing every cast they made, <laughs> right? Yeah, or yeah. Uh, just yep. try. But you know what? I was pleasantly surprised at how supportive and encouraging um, everyone was. So, yes. yeah, I was. I was wrong. A lot of times, those voices in our head are much more critical in anticipation of it than, than uh, what I really found once I started doing it. So. That's so true. In so yeah. many situations. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I love it. And <laughs> it's just, you've had, to, to me, you know, like you've had such a life and you just like go for it and dive in and constantly learning and that, that is incredibly inspiring to me. I just don't feel like, I mean, doing this podcast, I am every time just floored by the last interview and just how cool people are. But I just don't see enough of this, you know, and hearing these stories. And I, I'm grateful <laughs> to hear yeah. it and be inspired by it. Well, you are inspiring people as well. Thanks. We may not always see how exactly right away, right? Right. And sometimes it's years later and you run into someone or hear from someone that, you know, your podcast inspired them to go take some action and try something or yeah. do something differently. So yeah. it's, it's, I believe in the power of sharing our stories because there is, you know, there is so much power in that. Um, kind of about how we, how do we share our stories? It's like being a parent. I could tell my kids to go do something or, you know, give them information. But if I could put it in the form of a true story or, a, you know, a metaphor or make an analogy, then they, they could relate to it and understand it much easier. And, you know, I'm, I am nothing special as far as uh, anything really, oh, brains, whatever. <laughs> well, I'm just saying I 
I just, it's about taking action. It's about doing the things. If you kind of have a goal and you know what you want, then it's like putting together a puzzle. Just put together the pieces and then everything will be in place. Um, so yeah, I believe anyone can get involved and have the lifestyle they want from the outdoors industry in, in any form, really. But there's not a quick fix anymore, anywhere. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. You just, it's the daily, the daily stuff. Share your heart, share your love of what you do. Pass it on. I mean, passing it on and leaving a legacy has been um, a big motivation for me. Uh, it's like the younger women now that I taught that I I can see through social media that are actually still out there doing it. It's just that just warms my heart. <laughs> so. For sure. What yeah. is uh, one of my favorite questions to ask people on the on the podcast is, what is your next adventure? Ah, really good question. So, um, my kids are grown, right? Yeah. I like to say grown and flown, and uh, <laughs> I am uh, at a stage in life where maybe semi-retired. I don't know. Um, and unattached so i am buying an rv and i'm planning to travel around and be the fly fishing teaching gypsy yes. oh my gosh i love you so much <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna hit the road i take my dog and we can you know i'll keep a home base of course because I have too much sporting goods gear to give up a house. <laughs> they don't make RVs big enough. <laughs> I mean, literally, I have a lower level and a storage room um, that could be a fly shop for sure. Oh, I and, um, you know, yeah, lots of ammo and gun, you know, stuff like that, that I can't carry it all with me. So, yeah. Yeah, so I th I'm still, I have not given up yet this summer on getting to Alaska. I did learn yesterday I have to get a permit to drive through Canada, but I have friends up in Alaska, so they have a 14-day self-quarantine requirement right now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And so if I get there, I just literally have to park on their property and camp in my RV for 14 days <laughs> um, and then and then I can start fishing and traveling so yeah so cool oh, I'm excited to follow your adventures more <laughs> I know <laughs> I'll just keep putting it all out there on social media and you know yeah hopefully. please please do <laughs> yeah thank you yeah <laughs> Well, you'll have to come up to Alaska to, if they open it. Um, the airfare is ridiculously inexpensive <laughs> right now. I know. I have always, uh, that is like the one place that my my dad hasn't been that I I have to take him with me if I come because I, I think he won't talk to me. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. <laughs> if I ever go without him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Un unforgivable yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah. sometimes when i go off on these little adventures you know there's a mixture of him being proud and jealous and if i think if i <laughs> if i went to alaska without him it would be awful <laughs> but someday him and i will go together for sure i will bring him up <laughs> i had a friend when i was living up there a couple of summers ago um a friend called and her dad had battled liver cancer, and she called and said, my dad's cancer is back. 
um, and I would really like to get him to Alaska. He wants to catch a fish and he wants to see a bear. Can you help us? (laughs) And so I uh, had an RV up there at the time. We literally traveled around and I took him to a river where I knew there were lots of bears and I said, we're going to fish here. And if a bear comes after you fish, you just try to break the line. (laughs) (laughs) And he was thrilled. So you got to get your dad up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've just been hearing him talk about wanting to go there and never come back since I was little and he just, hasn't so I would love to somehow get him my whole family but if it could just you know if I could just get him that would be pretty cool yeah that's awesome well good so you have plans too oh yeah I have too many not really too many I don't think that's true but I yeah I've got lots of plans definitely (laughs) never have too many no I just have to choose which ones I want to do first (laughs) <laughs> just making those right. decisions. That's the hard part. Yeah. I, I'm looking at a... I will be going fishing in Florida this summer. Um, I've never actually been to Florida besides for work. And uh, I'm looking at a ram hunt. I was supposed to be going to South Africa, but I don't know if that's happening right now. Um, wow. Yeah, I also have to be, you know, try to not spend all the money I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there is that. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you're talking about the RV. My my birthday's in July, and I want to buy myself a topper for my truck, and then have yeah. the inserts to have be able to take all my outdoor gear and a dog kennel and then put a tent on top so wherever I'm going I can take my stay out of the equation and I can stay in my truck uh, yeah I plan on buying that for myself for my birthday getting that setup done this summer so once awesome. hopefully yeah so once COVID kind of dies off I can you know hopefully that you know comes to a place where I can start traveling <laughs> and I can do those things but so I love your RV your RV thing like that's I hope to be doing the same someday for sure yeah that's great (laughs) it's the way to go I've been you know I've already done the big house and all sorts of you know I've done all that and I'm at that stage where simple is fabulous (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. thank you so much for for this and and your as always like with with me and just keeping in touch and your time today i think your story is so cool and i i feel like we just touched just barely touched on it like there's so much more to it and hopefully we can connect in person and, and fish together someday I will be headed your direction hopefully in a week or two. Yeah, that would awesome. be awesome. That'd be so cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. This has been delightful. Good. I'm so glad. Are are you all feeling inspired? I could talk to Nancy for hours and can't wait to get some fishing lessons because uh just got back from the Yellowstone River and guys, I can use all the help I can get. No kidding. And hey, I haven't committed to my truck tent yet. So any serious suggestions, honestly, email me, message me, find me on Instagram, Woods and Waters Project. Would love the suggestions for a tent for my truck. I have a Toyota Tacoma. So any suggestions, really open to. Let me hear it. And speaking of that, I would really love to get some road travelers on this show. I want to talk to some people who are living out of their vehicle, van, bus, hitting the road on a regular basis, hunting, fishing, national parks, what have you. So if you know a a person I should talk to, please reach out to me and let's get them on our show. Big thank you to Nancy again and again. I cannot wait to connect with you soon, girl. Appreciate the hell out of you. 
and I appreciate the hell out of all of you. Thank you for listening and sticking by my side and helping the show grow and waiting patiently between episodes. Please hang on. I have some great stuff happening and I cannot wait to get more out there to all of you. And until next time, get out there and see what's out there. Thanks.